1: There we go, Ryan. I think that kind of wraps it up. We did have a few questions here uh, that we can pull up, Ryan, if you want to kind of go through and see if there's any more while we're yep. doing this. Sounds That'll good. be interesting here.
2: All right. A lot, of, a lot of conference versus conference talk in the chat. Yep. Today.
1: Hulk strongest said, I wish Lawrence keys would have stayed me too. Uh, did he leave because of Kelly or Dell or Tommy Reese? That was a Dell thing. hundred percent, a Dell issue there. I don't get too much into it because it's what's done is done and they're all gone. But that was a Dell issue. That was a lack of communication and a lack of trust. Notre Dame 2164. I'm sure you guys have already talked about this, but in the past, in the past, but I know I need to know how Notre Dame corner recruiting got as bad as it did during the Kelly era. Notre Dame uh, having to start a true freshman at corner is, he's not happy. I think there's a lot of different reasons for it. I think number one is there were some bad evaluations. I mean, Clark Lee saying, nope, I would rather have Caleb Offord over Clark uh, Phillips because Caleb Offord has much better wingspan and the the traits that we're looking for physically. He's tall. He's got very long arms and all that. Uh, Yeah, I know Clark Phillips is a really good player on film, but he's too small. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things like that. Let's be honest about that. The other thing that hurt him was the 2016 season. I mean, if we're being honest about that, Notre Dame had Paulson Adebo committed. They would have probably lost him anyway because as soon as Stanford took him, he was going to be gone. But they had Elijah um, Elijah Hicks, the kid that started at uh, at Cal last few years. They had him committed, and Thomas Graham was a silent commit to Notre Dame. And had they wow. not completely had they not completely screwed up his his in home visit, he probably still would have signed with Notre Dame. Uh so and then after that you you've had some bad luck, some injuries, some mis a lot of, but I think a lot of it's just misevaluations and and then just flat out bad recruiting. And look, you can't just send your cornerbacks coach to get top players and not have a dynamic defensive coordinator and not have a head coach that's involved in recruiting. It's just it was a, a bunch of different things. But I think look, I think Mike Mickens has shown what kind of corner recruiting you can have on a consistent basis if you have a coach that is willing to put in the work. And a defensive coordinator that's willing to do the same thing, and and even without that, he at at, at Notre Dame in his first year, he got Ryan Barnes, he got Philip Riley, he got you know uh, Chance Tucker, and so I think he had a good first year without him being able to go on the road. And then this, you know how I feel about this past year's quarterback class, Ryan. You know you Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey, and then at, yep. if Notre Dame is able to land Micah Bell and Christian Gray a year after getting. Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey, I start feeling really good about the future of the cornerback position. But, you know, right. Todd Light was not a dynamic recruiter. He wasn't. He needed to have a staff around him to help. Because, again, partly he'd never done it before. He never coached before like that. He'd never been a recruiter before. D coordinator who wasn't a great recruiter after Elko left and then Kelly being not involved. And, like I said, there were some bad evaluations. I I think. I, oh, and the other thing, Landon Bartleson getting arrested also hurt. Uh, I liked him a lot. I liked yeah. him a lot. And he would he would be a rising junior this year.
2: He was a so, Kentucky kid, right? Yeah.
1: When he got arrested, because yeah. he was my favorite D B in that class, or favorite corner recruit in that class. When he got arrested, that really hurt their cornerback recruiting as well. Cause I, I liked that kid a lot. And I think this would be the year he'd be kind of growing into his own. You know, Cause he was a kind of a running back athlete kind of corner. He'd have needed some time. So yeah yeah, yeah it's, I, gonna, it's gonna be interesting I
2: think misvaluations is probably the biggest one just from the stories that I've heard right like you mentioned you mentioned um Clark Phillips Obviously, Clark Phillips III, who's now a really good cornerback out of Utah. We've talked about the George Karloftis thing, right? Not thinking he's yeah. flexible enough. We've talked about AJ Dillon, them thinking he's a linebacker. I like found
1: that, found that evaluation. Remember, I sent that to you. So. Yes.
2: Yep. 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 So, yep. Those are uh, those aren't great. Every great.
1: staff's going to have those, right? Every staff's going to have those misevaluations. But it just at that, I think that happened a little bit too much at times at corner. Just because I think as as again, love Coach Lee, but I just think he was a little bit too I'll say narrow minded, but I'll say it narrow minded. I don't because I just don't, for lack of a better term, he was so dead set on traits. You know, and when I mean by traits, I'm talking like real ones, not like the Brian Kelly, like let's just use this Trump word traits. I'm talking like real evaluation traits, six one, long arms, like those kind of things. I think that caused him to make a lot of bad evaluations, in my opinion and and like like even like Ramon Henderson now he's turning out to have a chance to be a really good safety but he wasn't a corner cuz he was a track guy but you can't keep bringing in guys like that and not anyone who you, like okay you want to bring in Caleb Offord and Ramon Henderson cuz you like the traits fine Bount, counter that with a Clark Phillips who maybe doesn't have the traits but's a really good football player and i think those are the things that 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 need to be done to improve it and i think that's what got them where they are cuz like imagine if they didn't sign Cam Hart as a receiver Imagine if Chip Long didn't go get him. That's the funny thing is, like sometimes, some of the last seven eight years, like some of the best defensive players Notre Dame has had, were recruited by offensive coaches. And go back to Jerry Tillery, right? Uh, now Cam Hart. It, th- think how screwed Notre Dame would be right now in secondary if, if they if Cam Hart doesn't switch positions. And he was rec- I mean, think about it. their best corner was recruited by their their former offensive coordinator. So yeah, it's 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 even worse than than we think. <laughs> in some ways, I mean, yeah. and same thing 2020. If Nick McLeod doesn't transfer in, they're, they're screwed in 2020. Oh, yeah. Him transferring in was huge for Notre Dame.
2: Sure was. Huge for Notre Dame. He was rock solid for them. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, very. And he brought some maturity, some leadership, you know, that they just did would not have had.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. You need Indeed.
1: Salty Virginia peanuts is a recruiting question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that having car in place for 2024 and willing to recruit and nobody in place in 2023 at quarterback makes 2024 top talent, more worthy of focus
2: as in their ability to accumulate top talent because the quarterbacks in the class, is that, is that what this is asking? Yeah. Me? I
1: think it's kind of like maybe the recruiting staff focusing more
2: on. 2024. Oh, gotcha. I, I mean, yeah, um, it definitely. I think it definitely helps. I mean, anytime you get a talent like that, especially at a position like quarterback, cause Everybody knows how important quarterback is, and also the fact of the matter is that you're usually only going to take one quarterback in a cycle, right? So you're you're done for 2024. Mm-hmm. So now all your focus is purely on let's the rest of the class, right? Like we don't have to worry about quarterback. You just have to keep in touch right. with CJ and keep that relationship solid, and you don't have to recruit anybody else. So yeah, I think that that is definitely going to help. And then anytime you have a quarterback, we've talked this a lot about the Dante Moore thing, the CJ Carr thing. Anytime you have a quarterback in early. And he becomes now a big recruiter, which all indications say C.J. Carr has already done. But by his impact just this past weekend, yes, I think that 2024 you have massive upside. But I also think that C.J.'s helpful with 2023 a little bit. So it's Mm -hmm. just good to have him in general for Notre Dame.
1: Salty Virginia Peanuts also asks, Ryan, from your conversation with The Great One, do you feel there's any sign of him trending away? Or is he honestly just not ready but is still tight on Notre Dame. I think he's referring to Jaden Greathouse.
2: Um, I mean, after my conversation, I think Notre Dame is still in the driver's seat. I guess we'll put it that way. Like, I, I, I would, I still think that Notre Dame is Notre Dame is the top school for Jaden Greathouse right now. I would say the, the uneasiness is the longer you leave it open, the more opportunity for other teams to come into the conversation, right, and to get back into the game or get into the game or whatever it would be. So, I think that. It's. I don't think he's trending away. No, I just think that there's. It's just a different dynamic as far as how you need to attack this recruitment now. Mm-hmm. Is all I
1: think that changes. All right, let's uh, let's get to the. I, I, I think that I also think I know he's coming the weekend. thinking he's going to post to delay, but it doesn't mean that that's how he's going to feel coming out of the weekend. Right would, would be my stance. John Murray asks, speaking of cornerbacks, Brian and Ryan, what are the odds that Ryan Barnes breaks into the starting lineup?
2: I I mean, I. look, I, I've been very open and honest about this one. I think if Notre Dame has its best opportunity to be a very good secondary in 2022 on an all-around perspective, I think it's because Ryan Ber- Brian Barnes takes that step forward and he becomes that guy. That also allows you to unlock Clarence Lewis a little bit and kind of use him in a variety of ways. So I think he's going to play a lot regardless. But I'm going to say, yes, I think eventually he is breaking into the starting because I think that his talent level is just that of kind of. Up. I don't want to say one upping, but mm-hmm. taking the starting knot at some point, we'll leave it. at yeah.
1: that. I guess maybe more wishful thinking with no disrespect towards Clarence Lewis. It's not personal. I just it's more about what I think mm-hmm. the talent that Ryan Barnes brings to the table. Coach Bent, 574, should we be worried about Hannafin going to Bama since ESPN has him rated higher than 24-7 arrivals? No. (laughs) That's funny. funny, Just to give everybody a heads up, obviously, uh, Ronan Hannafin, I believe – no, I didn't mention this yesterday here because I wasn't on the show yesterday, but I, I mentioned it on the board briefly. I'll have another update on it probably tomorrow, but I do expect Ronan Hannafin to still take his visits that he had planned which would include an Alabama visit this weekend and a Boston college visit before he makes a decision. We told you all oh, a couple weeks ago that Ronan's plan was probably to make a decision late June, early July. I still anticipate that being the, the time frame. probably late June is when I'm first going to start looking, but uh, with everything that I've been able to gather, I'm. Uh, we feel good about Notre it. Dame's in a good place. I'm just <laughs> yeah. trying to do this the right way. Notre Dame's in a good place, but. Uh, you know, I think it says a lot about about Ronan Hannafin that, that he's being recruited by. I mean, his top three is Clemson, Notre Dame, and Alabama. It's crazy. And Nick Saban has personally taken over his recruitment. I think that says everything you need to know about the kind of athlete that Ronan Hannafin is. Best three star uh, of all time. Yeah, still absurd. <laughs> You're so correct. Matt, 2011 GT, Freeman handled it very well. This is kind of going back to the original conversation, which, by the way, will also be discussed tonight in the ib nation sports talk show i guarantee you uh i know this because i talked to sean about it Uh, him and vince will have some opinions tonight on the whole situation as well which i'm very interested to see because you know sean comes to this at such a different place than i do i'm very you know i'll be tuning in ryan at six o'clock eastern by the way uh freeman handled it very well in my opinion this whole thing is a non-issue i agree and just again proof freeman is a high character guy clowns gonna clown and you are absolutely right about that Ryan, uh, James Lawrence Zensi said, did Kane Madden uh, even uh, get signed yet anywhere?
2: Yeah, he didn't get signed initially as a priority kid, but I'm pretty sure he got signed with the Giants, at, at least on a camp invite basis. So I, I believe he is with the New York Giants currently.
1: You know, Kane took a lot of flack last year and he took it in stride. and He took it like a man and I hope the kid does well. I do. I have no issue with Kane Madden personally. I from from all accounts, he's a good kid and hard worker. My issue was had more to do with those around him in the decision-makers. Lucas Chapman, do you think Tyler Buckner is going to be very hard to sack this year?
2: I I, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, there's a couple of ways that you look at that, right? I mean, one, Lucas, it's dependent upon how good is the offensive line, takes massive steps forward, right? Are they able to handle pressure and maybe even different pressure situations? But, I mean, if, no, if Notre Dame's offensive line is playing well – I would say yes because one, if there's not a ton of free rushers, that's great. But also, Tyler Buckner's a strong kid, man. He's going to shrug off some sacks. So yeah, I think he'll be a. I think he'll be a, a tough kid to sack, just in a one-on-one perspective. I mean, because he's that type of strong athlete, right? Like he's explosive mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Patrick Quinn then with a super chat. Thank you, Patrick, for that very much. If I told you right now. That Ohio State scores exactly 35 points. Do you feel better or worse about Notre Dame's chances to win compared to to total being a note? That would actually make it the hardest to determine whether they would or wouldn't win. I think the number you gave, Patrick, is the the worst. Because, like, I, okay, does Notre Dame win 38-35? Do they lose 35-31? to 31? Right. It, you know, like, 35 is like, yeah, that's the one that I probably have the least amount of certainty on.
2: It's a tough number. Yeah. It's a tough number. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, but – Look, we we pointed this out. I can't tell you the last time Ohio State scored in the 30s and lost. I mean, we went through this a couple weeks ago. And and every – I mean, we can quickly do it again if you all want to, but here's the amount of points that Ohio State has scored in all the losses in, in several years. They scored 28 against Oregon, 27 against Michigan this past year. The year before, they scored 24 in a loss to Bama. 2019, they scored 23 in a loss to Clemson. 2018 – they scored 20 in a loss to Purdue. 2017, they scored 16 in a loss to Oklahoma, 24 in a loss to Iowa. 2016, they scored 21 in a loss to Penn State, zero in a loss to Clemson. Mm-hmm. 2015, they scored 14 in a loss to Michigan State. 2014, they scored and 2013 is the last time they that I'm I'm confident that they did. 2014, they had a 21 point, scored 21 in a loss to, to Virginia Tech the year. They won a title. And then 2013, they scored 24 in a loss to Michigan State, 35 in a bowl game loss to Clemson. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2012, undefeated, no postseason, if you remember correctly. And then 2011, they scored 34 in a loss to Michigan. So from 2012 on, that's what, 10 whole seasons, right? They had exactly one game that they scored over 30 points and lost. So if I'm just looking at trends, then I'd say 35 points would make me not feel great about winning that game, just that's because of that. what we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I would not feel good. But is it a winnable game at 35? Yeah, because again, they they you know you pointed a Clemson game and and Michigan game. It's it's happened, but it doesn't happen a lot. I think to beat Ohio State, you've got to keep them in the 20s. That's that's the mo. Now there's a lot of games they've won in the 20s, but. Every single loss they've had, and again they haven't lost a ton of games. But going all the way back to 2012, every game they've lost, with exception of of, of a bowl game, they've they've scored. If they've scored in the 30s or more, they they 30 or more, they win. That's just the reality of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think you're going to have to try to hold them under that, which means turnovers and st- sacks and stops and stuff like that. So that would be my answer. But it's a good question, Patrick. Blaine Tiller. Who do you think will finish the season ranked higher nationally? Notre Dame wide receiver group or Notre Dame secondary? Ooh, it's a good question.
2: Secondary for me. Cause I think when I looked at the secondary list, I, I wasn't as impressed with the quality of depth to that spot. Cause I mean, that one had at least in Lindy's it had Ohio state at number five, which we've continued to talk about their secondary was not good last year. Right. So, and um, they actually had Notre Dame at four in the Lindy's list from a defensive back perspective. I think if, Cam Hart takes a step and he's a guy and Brandon Joseph's the player that we think he can be and everybody else around them is just good. Then I would expect them to be one of the top five secondaries in the, in the college football next year. Right. And I think that there's a possibility for the wide receivers to get somewhere in the same ballpark, but I just, I think there's more known commodities in the secondary than there is at the wide receiver tight end position. You have one absolute known in a Michael Mayer at a high, uh, like a high value, Right. But then you also have Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph, who I think could still also be one of the better players of their positions in college football. So I'll go with the secondary.
1: Yeah. I think it has more to do with, I think the, the point that I will grab onto Ryan and, and, and discuss just briefly, cause I think you nailed it. It's, it's also partly about what's around them, right? Like you could have, you could have a better secondary, you could have a better receiving core than you have a secondary and still rank lower nationally at that one because if there's other really strong groups, it's like the draft. You know, this past year, you could be the number one defensive tackle in a draft and you're not going in the first round, right? Am I correct that there was not a pure defensive tackle taken in the first round? Right there was the nose guard Jordan Davis, right? But I'm talking like D tackle, like three technique, right? Devonte
2: Devonte Wyatt went like 28 Did he go or something, 28? yeah, Yes. Yeah, right, like and, yeah. and so
1: you could be the number one running back in a class and not go in the first round, right? So That's just fair. because you're yeah. number one at a position doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be, you know, you could be. I mean, I'm trying to think of some of the positions here, like what the fifth, put it like this, the sixth or seventh defensive end got drafted higher, I believe, than the number two defensive tackle right Mm -hmm. three technique and if uh, number three defensive tackle because we'll put we'll just lump the interior guys together like we do defensive ends so the number six or seven defensive end is getting drafted higher than the number three defensive tackle right right and we (laughs) saw that at quarterback a couple years ago right like the you know you just this is the reality of it right like the number five quarterback or number four so number four because you had you had fields you had no number five the number five quarterback in 2021 draft
2: went 15th overall was yeah. drafted
1: higher than the number one running back. Correct.
2: Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So, Najee Najee went like 24 and Mac Jones went 15 right. to the Patriots.
1: Yep. So that's just kind of part of it is, is, is that's what makes it difficult to say what, you know, who's going to rank higher. I, I do agree with Ryan. I think there's potential for more pass catching groups that I like this year than necessarily a bunch of secondaries. That I like, but I, I do think that Notre Dame fans have too negative of a view of the secondary. And, and, and you, you, and I get why it's recency bias. What's the last thing we saw was the secondary looking terrible against Oklahoma state, right? Bowl games are different. That's a different coaching staff. That's not how bad the secondary was all year. And you didn't have Kyle Hamilton or Brandon Joseph projecting forward. And, and so I think I would factor in all those parts of it is, is I think that this group is going to be better than a lot of people think it's going to be. I'm not saying it's going to be elite, but I think it's going to be better than people think, and I. I but I'm more confident in the receiving core, assuming every er, health is good, in in being better. Just because, again, love Cam Hart, love Brandon Joseph, mm-hmm. Michael Mayer is still the best player, uh, I think, probably on their football team. That's fair, and that, and that factor. Because again, we're talking, we're throwing tight ends. We have to throw tight ends with that, in my opinion. Would you agree with that? When you say wide yeah. receiver group, I think you have to throw Michael Mayer into that conversation. I agree. Brandon Plensner says, does Notre Dame take a three-man cornerback class of Bell, Gray, and Wagner, or does it depend on Caleb Downs' decision?
2: I mean, yes, it depends a little bit on Caleb Downs. It also depends at numbers at other positions, too, like defensive line getting to five, offensive line going to six potentially. Like The numbers matter, Brandon. I I would say that I think Notre Dame would be fine with two. I think if they got a – Micah Bell and a Christian Gray, I think they would be content with it, but it depends really where other positions shake out, if they're going to take a guy like a Josiah Wagner.
1: I just feel like if those other two kids commit first, I don't think they would push for it. It's just my opinion. I'm not telling you what Notre Dame has told me. I'm just giving you my opinion on the numbers. I don't see how you could take a third corner. Mm-hmm. I don't see because the whole part part of taking Micah Tease as a potential third among that was that he could play another position. And really, so could Micah Bell. I mean, if, if we're being honest about it, but there's less of a need for what he does than than Micah Tease. So now that Micah Tease is a receiver, I think that's where the third corner conversation came from. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a need for a third cornerback this year just for corners. It would have to be a kid who's just too good to pass up. And this is, again. this is my opinion, not Notre Dame's opinion. I don't know what their opinion is. I have not talked to anybody around Notre Dame about Josiah Wagner. My opinion, it's a good football player, Ryan, but he's not the kind of kid you're like, you just got to take that kid. You can't say no, no to him. Right. I, I could find myself potentially saying no to him. You may disagree. Cause I know you've studied his film a lot more than I have, Ryan.
2: Well, no, no, I, I don't disagree because again, it's, if, if, I wouldn't sacrifice another spot for like a six offensive lineman potentially or Samuel and Pemba as a DN rover, or or however you want to phrase him or Jason Moore. Like I wouldn't sacrifice those players for Josiah Wagner. I do like Josiah Wagner. And if the numbers shake out where he can be there, then sure. But like you said, if, if you're in the perfect class, ideal class, and you have Mike Atiz, you have some insurance for the cornerback position. You talk to Jeremiah Love, which I just did earlier. He thinks that he could play corner too. I know we have a difference of opinion on that, but there, there are other options on on the uh, in the recruiting class other than taking a third. Corner.
1: We have a difference of opinion of him being able to play corner.
2: Yeah, yeah, because right. I mean, we were talking. We were like, yeah, he could yeah. probably play safety, but corner, eh, and yeah. I don't know about that. But yeah, yeah.
1: I yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought you meant like you and I had a difference of opinion. I was like, I don't remember us. No,
2: no, no, no. We don't have a difference of opinion to that. We have yeah, a difference of
1: opinion of him of what he thinks of what he thinks. Okay. Yes, yes. Do okay. yes, yes. you know what I like that? I dig kids that have I love it. You know, especially a kid like him who's a pretty competitive kid. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like almost like okay. You don't think I can do it? Now I really want to do it. Now, I, now <laughs> yeah. I want to play corner. Like That's what I'm going to tell everybody that I want to play because I want to go prove you wrong. Uh, so we we shall see. We shall see. All right, last few here. Uh, James. Z- okay, here's a good one for you. This is for you, Ryan. James, yep. Lauren, Zenzi. I got a question. Who do you draft first, Stroud or Young?
2: We, I actually did this in a podcast uh, a few weeks ago. I would take Bryce Young, I think, right now. Right this second, we have a whole season to – Figure this one out. I there's just more of a natural ability as a pure quarterback for Young, in my opinion. I think Stroud, you could argue, has a higher upside because of the size. And even though I don't think the arm strength is much different, to be honest, but I think there is more of an upside from a pure pocket passer perspective. But there's just a a pocket feel perspective for Young, an accuracy perspective for Young. There's just something different about, it, in my opinion. So I, I would I would defer to Bryce Young right now.
1: Can I get it? Can I, am I allowed to give a draft opinion on this? Absolutely. I would actually go with Stroud. Okay. I think right now Bryce young is definitely a more advanced player than CJ Stroud. Like he, like we Mm -hmm. said this, he's one of the smartest young quarterbacks I've ever seen. Like his feel for the game is exceptional. Like that kid has an incredible high football IQ. I think the, I think the the problem for me is size and, and it's not the height. I don't care about height. He's a skinny kid. And I really worry about like Russell Wilson's short, but Russell's a stocky. I mean, he was a you know baseball player, kind of, you know, that thick lower body.
2: Kyler Murray's thick. Kyler Murray's a
1: thick kid, also a baseball Mm player. Yep. Bryce is real skinny. Like he's not a real big guy. And I really worry about him going through a 17 game season in the National Football League. Because, you know, does he have the frame to get a lot bigger? That's a big concern that I have, Ryan. And I don't know what his measurables were in that list that you sent me.
2: They didn't have him on there. They don't usually. They don't usually measure. They don't measure many juniors typically. Yeah,
1: I just whereas like C.J. Stroud has he needs a lot more work for Mm -hmm. me. It's kind of like taking Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance. You know, you're betting on the the intangibles, but I would argue that C.J. Stroud is already a more proven passer than Zach Wilson and Trey Lance ever were in college. Uh, Neither of them are very like mobile guys. They're not runners. But CJ's got the bigger body. He's got more of the prototype body. And again, I'm not talking about height. I don't care as much about height in today's game. But I just, I think he's, and he's still young. If you look at CJ Strat, he looks young. Like his body's going to keep filling out. And he's going to get thicker and stronger. I wish that CJ would stay for another year. I know that's not, you know, barring an injury. That's not likely in today's era. There's too much money. But as far as him just developing for long-term sustainability, I still think waiting another he would need another year. Bryce Young you could argue needs all his eligibility just to fill out, but that's just not the era we live in anymore sadly. Uh, I think both could benefit greatly from senior seasons. But if I'm cuz like you're you're betting on neither of them are sure things because of different aspects of it. They're not Trevor Lawrence. I'm right. taking the guy that has the higher ceiling and the better frame to, to, to that's hold up. That's where I would go with it. But if you, it, it, but it all, I'm also not going to say that Bryce Young would be a wrong pick because of everything that you said about the kid. I don't disagree with anything you said about him at all. Mm-hmm. He's the best quarterback, but he's the is he the better prospect? That's, that's fair. That's my question.
2: It's a fair it. question. Yep. But if I, I can and- take
1: any quarterback in the country to lead a football team in 2022.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
1: outside of Tyler Buckner. Cause I'm always going to pick the guy that I have, but if right. I didn't have him and all my other courses are gone, I'm, I'm taking Bryce young.
2: Well, in, in um, just some general feedback, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to it because that remember those, that grades I sent you, they had the same exact grade. So I, I think that the NFL is going to be very split on the question as well. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I, and I can get that. And, and the, the intangibles for Bryce young are going to be hard to say no to, but I'm just really worried about the size. It's really fair. worried about the size. And this is coming from someone who's never seen the kid up close or personal, right? So, I mean, that's why we're just having this conversation here and I'm not making the decision in a, in a NFL team's room because then I would be able to see him and size him up and do all that kind of stuff. All right. So 99 problems became one We kind of addressed this earlier is the lack of 2023 quarterback commit hurting wide receiver recruiting in 2023. Cause it causing a pause, at least in certain prospects and can CJ Carr help with that? Assuming it, it's impacting things.
2: I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, I, I would say stalling 99 problems. Like it's, it's not something where I think it's like completely killing wide receiver recruiting is. I think we're still very confident where Notre Dame is with several players, but it's just the fact of if there was a, a substantial quarterback in the class of Dante Moore then it would be a lot easier to sell there's no doubt about that
1: would this be a fair statement ryan and, mm-hmm. I, and i'm and I'm asking you because you I have never talked to Jane greathouse that's what you do yep I evaluate the film and Intel I hear so I'm just going to ask you from talking to Jaden greathouse if Dante Moore's committed to Notre Dame right now or another top 50 quarterbacks committed right now is there any doubt in your mind that Jane greathouse is going to be done this summer and Notre Dame would be the pick
2: yeah, probably yeah. I I wouldn't have much doubt. I mean, I know Jaden says that he wants to see and again, this is speculation. But my point my part, is having yeah. that
1: elite quarterback yeah. eases the concern you have about what the offense is going to look like. That's and that, that's
2: a, that's exactly where I was gonna go with it, is I'm the sorry. fact that I, I know the premise. No, no, you're fine. I I know the premise from Jaden is I wanna see the on field production type of thing. And when you think about that, you're thinking what are the wide receivers look like? What are the concepts like all that type of stuff? But I think part of that is to your point is you want to see what kind of hands is this quarterback room in long-term. And if you had a Dante Moore in the class, for instance, I think you feel a little differently about that. So I agree with you.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Same page. I knew that. I was trying to find the button and it wasn't clicking. That's why I stopped. (laughs)
2: That's I funny. hate I hate when that happens, man. I hate when that. Happens. Yeah,
1: I noticed you and Vince both muted yourselves yesterday. So, yep, blame mm-hmm. me. Always, always my fault. Wasn't my fault yesterday. <laughs> I got a good kick, big kick out of that yesterday <laughs> when I was editing the show. Ninety nine. You guys did a great job yesterday. By the way, appreciate um, it. Thank you for uh, covering for me. How mm-hmm. do Ronan ninety nine props BK one? How do Ronan and Braylon James compare? I ask because I think Braylon has a crazy high ceiling, and Ronan tends to be spoken about in terms of being an overall athlete.
2: So for me, I I do think that Braylon has a higher upside, and the reason I think this is that I think I think Ronan is incredibly straight line fast. He's got a massive frame. He's your true boundary wide receiver, right? Like he can take the top off the defense. He's physical. He can. I think that he, you know, as he develops, I think he'll be able to work against press and use his physicality in those regards. Braylon James, for me, can be. Your boundary receiver, he could play the field because I think he's a more flexible athlete. Flexibility is kind of the separator for me. I think that he can run routes long term a little better than Ronan. I think Ronan's more of a vertical-based receiver, while I think Braylon James could be a three-level separator in variety of ways. I don't think he just has to separate with speed. I think he eventually he'll be able to separate with route running and flexibility as well.
1: I have some film. I- I agree with everything you just said about Ronan Hannafin based on the film that I know you've seen. I've got some film that I'm going to send you when the show's over uh, that I think, I think you'll change your mind okay, uh, on that. So, uh, cause I had, I, yeah, when I, well, yeah, I'll send it to you when we're done, but I, I think they both have incredibly high scene. I gave them both five. They basically graded out almost identical to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- whereas I gave them both uh, top hundred grades and five star upside grades. Uh, I think they're both exceptional. I think Ryan's point is spot on in that they're very different players, Mm -hmm. very different players. And that's a good thing, you know, because I think with Ronan, I view him, if they both reach their potential, I see Ronan as more of a volume guy, like a, like, you know, he can stretch the field, but he'll be a guy that, that is going to be doing back shoulders and, you know, eight, nine catches a game, right? Like a much better version of CJ Williams, because I think he's a much better athlete than what CJ Williams was. Uh, CJ is way more polished at the same age than Ronan is, but like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's six. I mean, we saw a picture, you and I saw the same pictures of him and Braylon next to each other. And like Ronan's noticeably thicker and even a little taller than Braylon is. And, and so he's like that, that volume guy, you know, 80 catches for 1300 yards where Braylon strikes me as that guy that's going to catch like 60 balls for 1200 yards. Right. You know what I mean? Like just, And that's what I love about that combination of the two is they're very complementary, And and Braylon's the kind of guy that doesn't need nine catches to get to 120 yards. Mm -hmm. He can do it on four or five. Ronan may get to 130 yards, but get it on nine. Now, again, that doesn't mean he can't be a big play weapon because Ronan's a lot faster than people think. It's more of a style of play. I think Ronan is eventually going to be a really good route run. He's super raw right now. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's even more reason why I think he's because he's so big and strong. Like he's going to be a third down monster.
0: Uh, right.
1: You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's really going to be a, an, an impressive part of what they're doing. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, I saw that Ryan. Sorry.
2: Yeah. No, I, I just called <laughs> that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, you should not. Um, you should not. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, but it, it's, it's just different types of players. And so when you ask, like, who's got the higher ceiling, it would, my answer, my long, you know, to make a long, short story long, it would be kind of, what are you looking for? Right? Like what part of the, what type of receiver are you looking for? If you're looking for a a home run hitter with size and speed and all that, then I'm, I want Braylon. I think if you're looking for the all around receiver, I think that's where Ronan's game is going to be. Both of them have the ability to do both. I think Ronan could could be a is also a guy that's gonna be a big play weapon. I don't think people appreciate how athletic Ronan Hannafin is. I really they don't. don't. They don't. I, I really don't. And, and and he's a really, really elite athlete. And no,
2: they're they're gonna compare him to every
1: every other white receiver slow, in the world.
2: tall white receiver. Right. So you're Eric Deckers of the world. Right. They're gonna compare them to those guys when this kid's a four four athlete. Like it's just no a doubt. different player. Different no player. doubt.
1: You're hundred mm-hmm. percent correct. And then Braylon's an explosive guy as well, and and so I I love that duo. And then there's Jaden Greathouse, who is sort of like a he is C J Williams. I mean, he's a bigger version of C J Williams from last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the better comparison. And and I think C J's got a little bit more athletic potential, but Jaden's a better player right now. And that's saying a lot because C J C.J. was a really good football player last year. Yeah, uh, And I think CJ has more room to physically grow and develop, but you know, Jaden's Jaden's, I mean, he is that player. And so that would make for a very interesting trio, but I, I, I think you would agree with this. Ronan and Braylon have higher ceilings than Jaden right now. even
2: I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree. No, Jay,
1: but, but I would say this Ronan's the guy or Jaden's the guy I'm most confident in. Like, I know he's going to pan yeah. out like barring yeah. injury. Jaden Greathouse is going to pan out. He's going to be a good football player for sure. It's just, you know, what's this. And now if he's more athletic than I think he is, then this conversation changes. Yeah. Cause his feel for the game is except, I mean, his, his feel for how to play wide receiver is elite. Okay. My only question about Jaden is I, and he's got a great, great body like six two two ten. My only question about Jaden is speed and overall athleticism. If I'm wrong about that, then he's going to be an elite player. Agree, okay. Cause this game is, is exceptional. It, it, we're talking about the projection at this point in time. Yep. Let's get to the last few here. Uh, here's an interest A 100 said something to Antoine Johnson. I look at Florida state and believe they'll turn the corner this season. That reminds me, we are going to also do a sort of like position, like conference predictions this year. And we're going to talk about those Ryan. And I cannot wait to the comp floor state conversation because they are such an enigma this year.
0: It is going to be a
1: very, very interesting. um, Yeah. Yep. Justin Carlson asks is the top 20, 2024 safety Woodyard or is he two?
2: I'd say he's number one right now. Um, I mean, I think, I think there's – you're still trying to figure out, you know, where you stand with some guys, you know, to a degree, on like the Zaquan Patter, uh, Patterson and those types of guys. But, I mean, Woodyard is a – I mean, he's considered a top 20 player by, I think, two or three mm-hmm. recruiting platforms already, and he's got the ties to Notre Dame, and he's a Cali kid, and he's a really talented player. So, yeah, I, I would say he's a top target on, at the safety board for Notre Dame.
1: He's definitely the most known commodity. That's the thing I would say confidently is he's definitely the most known commodity. Could someone else overcome that? Sure. He's the most known commodity. No question. Last question is actually going to go to our, uh, the Ohio state fan who's joined us for the last few shows, Archer four, five, two, what's the biggest position, priority position for recruiting in 24 to 25 is that position deep in those classes example. I know you've mentioned O-line being much deeper in 23 than 24. I can't go to 25. Like, it's super <laughs> early for that. Like, super yeah. early for that. The only thing I know about 25 is there's a lot of really good young quarterbacks in 25. How will they develop and grow? Don't know.
2: Wait, wait. But, but Notre Dame just offered a 26 kid. Oh, we can't Tony jump to 25 already.
1: <laughs> so one of my get because it's, uh, it's Mosley's kid, right? It's Emmett sure. Mosley and his, his, his wife, who's a great soccer player here. Cool. Offer them. Yeah. Um, but 24, I'll, I'll compare 24. I think what the, the Sean, so the topic that Sean and I are going to cover on Saturday, Ryan, which is going to be mm-hmm. very interesting, and I'm going to want your opinion on it too after the show. Yeah. Is we're going to discuss which recruiting class is more important for Notre Dame to really maximize its program. Which which class has to have be, be to reach its full potential, 23 or 24 for Notre Dame hmm. as a whole. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of dive into those. So I think, but I think the one thing that we that we will say is the 24 three class is going to be bigger in numbers. Most likely. Yep. I think the 24 class is going to be more targeted with individual players. Sure. Archer. I would say that the biggest, the biggest priority position for recruiting in those classes is going to be quarterback because of where things are with Dante Moore and the fact that they don't have a quarterback. So I think they've kind of already hit that position that they really needed success at is, is, is there. I think after that, I would, I would say that the next, the next position where they're, the next most support position for Notre Dame in 2024, I would say is receiver. Yeah. I, I would still say, I think they need a second strong year in a row of just really impact players receiving. Now the difference is next year, they won't need the numbers that they needed this year. Right. And they can only get three receivers next year and be okay. Cause you'll have four this year, maybe five, mm-hmm. you'll have three next year. Plus you have Tobias Merriweather, maybe I mean, that's like, that's nine right there. Right. I and mean, we maybe get to a fourth or maybe bring in a grad transfer for depth. And, you know, you still have Jaden Thomas is going to be a redshirt freshman. Dion's a redshirt. Fr- no, Dion played more than four games last year. Or did he only play four last year? I think not he played sure more than that. four. Correct. I'm not uh, sure. But I'll, I'll go look here. Uh, that's one thing that pro football focus is actually decent in, as like I said, data collection. So they'll be able to tell us how much you play. The point is, numbers won't be as much of a problem in 24 if you get at least four this year. If you get five, you're in great shape. I still think that there is a, a, another a, – a getting dynamic with the ball playmakers at receiver. I guess that's a I'll, – I'll narrow it down even more defined mm-hmm. for me. Quarterback and then landing more playmakers with the ball in their hands at receiver to me were the two that I think were, are, are most important. Uh, you do that, then Dion played 12 games last year, so he's, he's burned a year.
2: He played in 12 is,
1: games? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's what they have him down as, yeah. Huh. And now that yeah now that I think about it it make it makes sense. So Ryan that's where I, that's where I would probably say I think I mean overall it's just landing impact players but I think receiver is still going to be in a year where there's going to be a need for numbers. Right. It's going to be another I mean linebacker is going to be small class targeted, D-line class doesn't have to be huge, it's going to be targeted on top players. O-line corner? class is going to be Now nah, because I think corner to me it's like it, for me, look, it'd be great to get five-star corners and elite, like, step in day one corners, but I've always felt if you give me a Benjamin Morrison and a Jade Mickey and then the a year, year later Christian Gray and Micah Bell every year, that kind of yeah. duo, you're going to be fine because Notre Dame's already shown that. I mean, they had one of the best cornerback tandems in the country in 2018 and Julian Love and Troy. But neither one of them were elite, you know, prospects. Not even close. And they weren't elite draft prospects either. They were both fourth-round picks. But, man, they were one heck of a corner tandem. If you coach them well and they they have skill set, and that's the thing I love about these corner deals, you asked me yesterday, one of the questions Ryan asked me, and I had to think about it, and you all know me. Like, I don't get silent very often, and I had to sit and think about this one for a minute. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, who do you think has more upside? Benjamin Morrison, who you all know I love, or Micah Bell? And I literally sat in silence, and I think I probably talk in my sleep. I mean, I just, that's what I do, right? Uh, but I said, man, I think about that, and I kind of went back and forth on it a little bit, and and so the the point being, like, I I, I love, and as we got in the conversation, I love the diversity of the a potential cornerback group that Notre Dame could get if they're able to get Gray and Bell, because you've got like the really fundamentally sound, tough, athletic kid like Jaden Mickey, who's completely different. Benjamin Morrison's like six foot, six one. Long arms, physical, can run. He's more of like that boundary guy. Christian Gray is kind of similar. He's kind of a little bit of a mix of Jaden Mickey and Benjamin Morrison. He's got like a little bit of both of them in him. you know, where he could play both outside spots, maybe even some nickel in certain situations, but definitely both outside spots. And then there's Micah Bell, who's like the prototype field corner, just elite speed. I mean, just game-changing speed as a corner. They're very different. They complement each other extremely well. And, and, you know, to me, Ryan's like, give me another class like that and I'm good. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it's important to do that. And I think to your point, that's probably the most important position for me. I'd still argue safety. And the reason I say that is, is because I love the safety class, even if they get Caleb Downs, you know, but, but again, we've said, I don't, I don't see Notre Dame getting Caleb Downs. I just, I have a hard time with that. Uh, for me, it would be, even if you get Peyton Bone and Don Schuler, you didn't sign a single safety to class before. Right. The year before that, all your safeties are guys that moved from other positions. <laughs> right. Like you just your safety depth chart is still a little like if Peyton Bone and Don Schuler don't pan out or get hurt or something, your safety position is a mess. So I would say safety is probably still most important because you need a second, you need to counter, you need to complement this year's great safety class with another one. So that would probably be my most important position on. On, uh, I, I'll ask this: If Notre Dame gets Micah Bell and Christian Gray, mm-hmm. you and I would probably look back at the last two years and say the best defensive back prospect they would have signed is probably Peyton Bone, right?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: So you look at the two classes: so 22 and 23, which overall is in the best spot, corner safety? Because I'd argue corner.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You yeah. only
1: got two pure safeties. That's it.
2: Yeah. And you're losing a lot. You're losing a couple of safeties after the 2022 season. So yeah, I get that. My, my immediate one was wide receiver. You hit on that one. I think, you know, we're Notre Dame is still dealing with depth issues. And even if they take four or five, you're still talking about, you know, Joe Wilkins being gone, Avery Davis and Braden Lindsay, and there's going to be attrition to that position as well. So I, I would say wide receiver is the main one for me. I think offensive line is going to be a smaller class in 2024 Defensive line is going to be a smaller class in 2024. Linebackers is going to be a smaller class in 2024. You already have the quarterback in CJ Carr, so yeah, I would say wide receiver is probably the paramount position for them.
1: So that's going to do it, Ryan. So why don't you go ahead and uh, why don't you go ahead and take us out of here, man?
2: Let's do it. So appreciate everyone again for joining us. No, May say for the final yeah. shout out of the day. You have to check Let's on them. I know we do need check one
1: questions either. I'm at a couple people I'm going to check on today, man.
2: I know they are, they're always, they're the uh, OGs in the chat. So definitely need to check on everybody. Hope everybody out there is doing well. We appreciate you for joining us today on today's show. Please, before you leave, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit the notification bell for any important podcast that they can pop up anytime. And make sure you share the podcast. Five star reviews are always very much appreciated. From Brian, I am Ryan. Thank you so much again today for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast.